Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. For our message time together, um, we're going to be starting out in Exodus chapter 13. So if you'd like to follow along, we're going to start in Exodus 13, and we're going to look at a story in Exodus 13, 14, and 15, and 17. Um, Not that there's nothing good in 16, but it's just not where we're going to be this morning. But if you'd like to turn to Exodus 13, that's where we're going to start. I had been reading through Exodus, and there was just something that as I read these, these, these chapters, there was just something that jumped out and grabbed, grabbed my heart and really stirred in me that, that I wanted to, to, that gave me a real sense of hope and trust in God. And, and that's really what I want to do this morning, is, is I want to give you a sense of hope and a sense of trust in God this morning. Um, this is my last Sunday where I have a chance to, to share with everybody before we, we before July starts and then we're here, there, and everywhere. And some of you we may not see for a couple months because some people go away for the whole summer and, and all of that. Okay, we talked about uh, last week if you weren't here. Uh, tomorrow my wife and I get to go on a holiday and so we leave tomorrow morning and we're really excited about that. Um, and next, so next Sunday, Lori Gerard's going to be sharing with us and the Sunday after that, Maria Keibel's going to be sharing with us. And so it's a great opportunity to hear from some people from our church and we've got, we're starting the process of lining up people to share over the summer and so we're really excited about all that God's going to do through that. But th- this is my last one until July. And so I wanted to go out with just a strong sense of hope for you this morning, a strong encouragement for you this morning. And to do that, we're going to take a look at, well, three sort of four different moments from Exodus 13 to Exodus 17 to give us a sense of hope and encouragement for what God is doing in your life. Our text is going to begin at Exodus 13, verse 17 is where we're going to start. But before we jump into that, I just want to give you a little bit of context because it's important to note the exact moment that we are in this story. Uh, Many of you, if you're familiar with the Bible, will know kind of the gist of Exodus. Um, Exodus is called Exodus because it's the story of the exit of God's people from Egypt. They had been in slavery for 400 years, and then God raises up Moses to lead them to freedom. And so that's the story of the book of Exodus. And when we come to Exodus 13, verse 17, what's important to know is that this is the exact moment in Scripture where the Exodus begins. That that in the story of Moses and the story of the Exodus, Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, is the moment where the feet start moving. The moment where the people begin their journey out of Egypt. It's, it's the fulfillment of, of all of these promises. It's the fulfillment of the ten plagues. It's the fulfillment of all of this stuff happens at exactly this very 
moment. It's right on the heels of Moses giving a big speech to the people and telling them about how big of a moment this is and how you need to remember this and teach your kids about this, that this is a significant moment in history. And then we come to verse 17, where the people's feet start exiting, the exodus begins. And in verse 17, it will say this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. So if you were to take a look at a map of Egypt, like this one, we can see the route that you would go if you wanted to get from Egypt to the promised land. So the Egypt, or the promised land, you see where the water kind of makes that V? The promised land is to the top, that corner. So up that way. So they were, you would want to go west, and you would want to go north. That, that That's exactly how to get to where God's going. That if you were to Google map, if you were to Apple map it, if you were to map quest it, if you're that old, or if you were to actually have a paper map and you're that old, you would be able to, that, that's the route you would take. There would be no reason to go another way. Except that's not where God leads them. See, from the moment the feet start moving, God takes them in the wrong direction. God tells them to go that way. Instead of going north and west, God says go south with a little bit of west. But there, this is from the beginning, from the first moment of the story of the people of Exodus, God says don't go the right way. When your destination is west and north of where you're going, you don't go south. Right from the hop, God is expecting the people to trust him, to lead them in what seems like the wrong way. That right from the beginning, God says, go the wrong way, trust me. And for some of us today, you may feel like God is leading you the wrong way. That the story that, that your life is telling, that, that you know where you are and you know where you want to be, but yet God seemingly maybe seems to be insisting you, that you go a different way. That God, that this is what I want, this is where I'm going, this is the plan that I know you have for me is to go this way, that's where the promised land is, but yet for some reason you're telling me to go that way. God is seemingly telling you to go the wrong way. And you feel like maybe you're stuck. I don't know what to do. I want to follow God. I, I want to do what he's called me to do. I, I want to live out his plan for my life. But God wants me to go the wrong way. Do I follow God and go his way even when it seems really, really long, wrong? Just really, really wrong, sorry. But not just seems really, really wrong. It's objectively wrong. It's scientifically wrong. It's justifiably the, right, the wrong way to go. That, that it's not just, well, you know, it just feels... No, I, I, you can look at a map. And you can say, we need to go that way. And God is saying, go that way. Those aren't the same things. Go west, then north is the right way to go. It's obvious. It's correct. God's way is the wrong way. It's obvious. But when we keep reading, 
we can understand why God was doing what he was doing and maybe why God is doing what he's doing in your life. See, verse 17 goes on to say, for God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went out up of Egypt, out of Egypt, ready for battle. See, God knew in this moment who his people were and what they could handle. And God knew, knew that if, if he leads them the right way, the obvious way, the Google Maps way, they would face conflict that they were not ready for. And if they went that direction, if they went the way that made the most sense, they were never going to get to where they needed to get to. They were not ready for it spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And so to save them from the right way, God had to lead them the wrong way. God had to lead them the right, wrong way. And so for you today, if it feels like, if it seems like, if it's just a fact that God seems to be leading you the wrong way, know that God may be leading you away from all the traps and hazards, the war and conflict, the enemy and the traps of the enemy, that what seems to be the right way, what objectively maybe even is the right way, what that way may have that we just don't realize. Next, we're going to turn to the next chapter. So if you're in your Bibles, we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to be starting at verse 1. So the people are on their way. They're following God. They're being led by God towards the Red Sea. Then verse, uh, chapter 14 will say, Then the Lord said to Moses, oh, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Harharoth, between Migdal and the sea. They are encamped by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephron. God is very, very clear on exactly where he wants people to go. There's a specific place that he wants. He doesn't say head south and just kind of find a place to stop. But he says, I want you to stop here. In between this city and this city and across from this place. That it's essentially like a GPS coordinates. He wants them to go right there. He says, go to this exact spot on the map. That's where I want you to go. It, it gives them as close as you could get to GPS coordinates in the ancient world. That he gives them a very specific location. But what happens when they get there? It seems like they've been led into a trap. Because we read in verse 9 that the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea in the exact place God told them to go. 
See, the Israelites were exactly where God had told them to go. And it seemed like God had led them into a perfect place for a trap from the enemy because as the people, as the, as the armies come down, they're trapped. They've got the Red Sea on one side, they've got mountains on the other, and they've got the armies of Egypt coming towards them. They have no place to go. And maybe for you today, you, you feel like you've been doing everything you can to follow God and, and to do what he's asked you to do. And it just feels like you've been led to a very bad place. A place that maybe when you look at it and you, you think about it, you think, man, God really didn't think this through. God didn't really seem to have a plan. Maybe he had an idea of what to happen, but he didn't consider all of the possibilities. And God's led us to a death trap. We are going to be killed. We don't have an army to combat the, the Egyptians. The only way we got out was by the power of God. But now the power of God has led us right back to the Egyptian army. You've just ended up in a place that's actually closer to leading you to death than to the promised land in your life. But I can promise you that in your life, just like in this moment for Israel, God has a plan. See, as, as the people are starting to freak out and they're realizing what's happening and they're realizing the army is coming and we have nowhere to go, Moses stands up in front of the people and in verse 13, he gives them this promise. He says to them, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance will, the Lord will bring to you today. See, it wasn't an idea that there was danger. It wasn't a concept. It wasn't far off. It's now. It's, it's today. It, it, it's happening right. This isn't like, well, if nothing changes in the next three weeks, things are going to get really, it's, it's bad now. And he says, the Egyptians you see today, the enemy is there. But the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. And then Moses says this to the people. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. There's this incredible promise. Everything looks like this. And we're at the last minute. But trust God, because he's going to do this. See, God knew exactly where his people were. He knew exactly where he led them. And he knew exactly what he needed to do to lead them from there. And he used what seemed like a mistake, what seemed like an advantage to the enemy. God did not just redeem, or did not just use it, but he used it to redeem, or he redeemed it to build the faith of his people. See, when you read through the next parts of the scripture. We jump down to verses 30 and 31. 
and we see what happens. See, in between verses 14 and verses 30 is one of the most famous moments in all of Scripture. It's the parting of the Red Sea. At this moment where the people are terrified and their lives are about to end and they have no way out, God performs one of the greatest miracles in the history of mankind. And he parts the Red Sea. And the children of Israel walk through and they're delivered from Egypt that day. And it will say this. That day, not hat day. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, that people feared the Lord, that means that they, they honored him, that, that they, it wasn't that they were afraid of him, but they had awe and they were awestruck by him. They put their fear in the Lord and trusted in him and Moses, his servant. God knew exactly where his people were. They may not have been able to understand it, they were at the end. There was nothing more. But God knew everything. Next, we're going to jump ahead to chapter 15. So if you've got your, your Bibles, you can turn to the next chapter. And from this place, we have this incredible moment where the children of Israel pass through the Red Sea and, and they are set free from fear of Egypt. But now, now they're in the desert. And Egypt presented a certain challenge, but the desert, it presents a different kind of challenge. And the people are, are dealing with a heavy disappointment that comes from being in the desert. They've been led into the desert, and they don't have any water. And to make it worse, they find some water but the water's undrinkable. They're, they're running out of water. They have not, they're in the middle of the desert. It's hot. It's the Middle East. Like, it, it's not like, oh, well, it's kind of cool. No, it's hot. They're in the desert. They have no water. They're starting to worry. They're starting, God, God, you know, you know, you let us through. Oh, we found what? We found the Lord's answer to our prayers. God's solution. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Here is our water. We can't drink it. And so we read this in verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For, for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? But in the middle of their disappointment, their, their frustration with where they find themselves, they discover that the Lord has been there long before. That, that he made preparation for their need for this exact moment when they found themselves in this exact place with this exact need. We read in verse 25, then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. And he threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. See, as they're traveling through the desert for three days, they happen to stumble across this water. And there also happens to be 
a tree in the middle of the desert beside the water. How long does it take a tree to grow? It's not like you plant it one day and then you wake up the next morning and there's a tree. That tree, however it got there, had to have been planted long before Israel was on its way. For, for them to be able to find that there in the middle of the desert, it had to get there somehow. And it doesn't say that their eyes were opened and it miraculously appeared. God pointed out a stick and said, take that stick and throw it in the water. This is what's known as anticipatory providence. The Lord's forward planning. God knows that his people will pass by this way, and when they pass by this way, in this place, they will have this need. A need in the form of a tree and water. Way before they ever knew they would be there, God knew and God was prepared. Now we read the same thing in chapter 17. If you want to turn, you can turn to chapter 17. A couple chapters from there, we'll start reading in verse 1. It will say, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, that's a rough name, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephebdom, but there was no water for the people to drink. It's hard to find water in the desert. It's just, it's just hard. And you're thirsty, so you're drinking your water, trusting you're going to find it, but you run out of water. What happened? So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Sometimes when we don't know where to turn, we turn places that don't make sense. You know, the, what's, Moses has got a secret thing of water in his tent that he's been hiding from. You know, what is he supposed to do? But the people don't know what to do. They're scared. They're going to die. They're in the middle of the desert. They got nothing to drink. So they go to the one person who's supposed to do something and they tell him, give us something to drink. They don't know what to do. But God did. If we jump down to verse 6, we read this. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now here's a question for you. How long had that rock been there? Since the creation of the earth? Since God spoke everything into Where do rocks come from? That rock sitting there in the middle of the desert had been provided by God from the beginning of time. Why was this specific rock in this specific place from the beginning of time. Because God knew that one day Israel will pass by that rock and they were going to need water. And so from the foundation of the earth, God made provision for his people before they ever had a glimmer in their eye of what... The, before there was Adam and Eve, 
there was this rock. Because God knew where the story was going to go from Adam and Eve. And he knew that as the story went and as the story went, they would come to this place and they were going to need water. So where do you feel disappointed today? Where do you feel like God has let you down? Where do you feel like God has led you into the wilderness only to lack the provision for you to be in the wilderness? See, just like the wrong way, the, the people were right. God did lead them into the middle of the desert with nothing to drink. These, these are objective facts. This isn't perception. This isn't opinion. These are facts. But God, friends, friends, hear this. God doesn't need water to give water. God, God didn't need there to be water there to give the people water. See, God created water. And God can use sticks and stones to make water in the desert. God doesn't need water to have water. So be encouraged today that if you, you feel disappointed because you're looking around trying to figure out your answer, but all you can find are sticks and stones, and, and that has nothing to do with your answer to prayer, that has nothing to do with what you need, know that they are just what God needs to give you everything you need. That as you look around and you say, I don't see anything that can answer my prayer, everything you see can be an answer to your prayer. So what's the point today? What are we trying to get to? The, the point is this. We'll be honest for a moment. Be real for a moment. The Lord's ways may frequently seem odd. They may even seem wrong, misguided or not well thought out. We can look at a map and see how to get to the promised land. I don't need God to show me that. But what I do need God to show me is how I'm supposed to get to the promised land. I can look at a map, but I won't find God in a map. They may seem odd, they may seem wrong, they may seem misguided or not well thought out, but friends, they are always purposeful. They are always merciful. And here's the big one. They're always right. They guard us from dangers and that, that he sees and understands that we do not from hazards and temptations that would cause us to turn our backs on God's plan. His ways bring us experiences and lessons that drive home the wonder and reality of a full and final salvation. And his ways call and entice us to trust him and his words by the sheer wonder of his grace and his thoughtfulness for our welfare. And so I want to encourage you today. I know that for most of us, if not all of us, there are parts of our lives. Or maybe for you, it's not a part of your life. It's the whole thing that we just don't understand. 
things may seem off. Th things may seem like we're not where we should be. Things may seem like they're just wrong or, or that we feel disappointed that this is where God had led me and it's not a great place. But I want to encourage you today. Just like these stories from the Old Testament, if you told the story from the middle, that, that if we stop the story in the middle, it, it doesn't make sense. If we stop the story before it was over, it would look one way. But in each one of these stories, things ended differently than they seemed. And I want to encourage you today that that same God who knew the right way, even when it seemed wrong, the same God who knew exactly where his people were, even when it seemed like he didn't. The same God who had everything he needed to provide, even when it seemed like there was nothing. That same God is at work in your life today. And while we may not be able to see it now, we can live with hope that that same God can do these same things in your life today. See, friends, and I, I hope you can hear this this morning. This, this, is, this is my heart for you today. I want you to know God loves you. He loves you so very much. And I want you to know that he hasn't lost you. He hasn't forgotten you. And he still loves you today as much as he ever had. And he is at work in your life. I want to close by going back to a promise we read earlier today. And leave it with you as you go from here today. If you've got your Bibles and they're open, I want to invite you to circle this, to underline it, to star it, to fold the corner on your, your page if you have a paper Bible, to highlight it and save it if you're using version or whatever your Bible app is. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we know that you know the disappointments the frailty, the challenges of human life. And you know that we don't handle it quite as well as you did. You know that we get frustrated, we get overwhelmed, we get lost, we get confused. We get angry, we get mad, we get bitter. We say things we don't mean, we do things we don't mean. We cause all kinds of harm to others. We do the same things to you. 
But God, I thank you that as we read these stories of your incredible, miraculous love, provision, and care for your people. God, I pray for each one here today that may be struggling with questions of why. Why is this happening to me? Questions of how. How is God going to redeem this? Questions of what? What could God possibly do? God, I pray that as we've walked through these, these four stories of your incredible provision, God, may you seal it in each one of our hearts, in each one of our lives. God, would you help us to not let our circumstance be overwhelmed, but seal in our hearts, God, that you were the same yesterday when you did all of these things, today when we need you to do them, and forever when we need you to do it again. God, I'm so grateful that you love us in spite of our grumbling and quarreling like we read about the Israelites and in, in, in place of our anger and our frustration, in place of our bitterness, in place of all of the things that we can experience as we walk through life, God, I thank you that you love us the same. And God, I pray right now, actually, I want to invite you um, as we're praying, if as we're we're went through this and, and you can understand and you can think in my life I know exactly what the pastor's talking about for me. If if that's if that's you, what I what I would invite you to do is is just like speak that to the Lord in this moment. You don't have to be loud, you don't have to be like, I hate my job. Um, but just quietly under your breath, whatever it is that, that you would want to do, just just speak what it is that you need God to work in in your life. Just let that be part of your prayer right now. And God, I pray that as, as these prayer requests are being spoken, that God is, as, as we collectively are praying and as individuals, we are praying for ourselves. God, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, that one by one, you would be meeting the needs of your children today. That we would experience the provision of God in the wilderness. As, as we question and we wonder and we doubt and we fear, we have all, God, would you meet each one, one by one today and bring them the confidence and the assurance that you hold them, their lives, you hold each one of us in the palm of your hand. Lord Jesus, we, we love you. And we are so grateful that we get to turn to you in moments like this. That we don't flee from you in moments like this. We get to turn to you in moments like this. And God, meet us. Meet our needs. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we are so grateful for everything you're doing in us, everything you're doing for us, and everything you're doing through us. Jesus, we love you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Blessed assurance. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. 
and we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on our pastors from the Our Church drop down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. He will never fail. I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. Perfect submission. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I saw the